What do faith communities offer during a crisis like Grenfell that other voluntary or state organisations do not? To my mind, faith organisations offer quite a few things that other local organisations don't provide. One is neutrality. I think there's a quite a crucial role that faith organisations can play in that we're, we're not political. We're not um, in the sense that we're not, you know, the Tories or the Labour Party or the Lib Dems. We're not the local council. We're not national or local government. And that, that neutrality seems to be quite, really quite crucial, especially at a time when there's a, when there's a lack of trust in authority. Uh, whether it's national or local, the fact that we as faith communities in some way stand apart from the, um, the kind of authority structures, I think that makes a big difference and has, has meant that faith communities sometimes are trusted in a way that some of the other organisations uh, locally and nationally aren't. Um, so that's one thing. I think neutrality is quite crucial. I think another thing is range, that sense that we are both very locally rooted, so all the way around the Lancaster West estate, uh, in North Kensington, there are faith communities that have their roots deep into the local community. Um, but also faith communities are often quite well connected more widely with, with national and local government as well. It's certainly true of the Church of England. Uh, for us, we have our local parish churches, which have spent many, many years building up local um, links and, uh, and um, with their roots deep in the local community. But also, as the Church of England, we have connections with government, both in the House of Commons, House of Lords, uh, and at, at, at a local level as well, which enables us sometimes, sometimes to broker conversations and to uh, enable things to uh, communication to happen in a way that other places don't. I think the third thing that uh, faith communities offer is um, a sense of, of motivation and, and hope. Um, certainly, I can't speak for all the other faith communities, but I can for the Christian community. I, I felt from quite early on, one of the things we needed to offer was was a sense of real hope. Yes, this is a an unspeakable tragedy that's affected people in all kinds of ways, and uh, and um, but yet at the same time, our faith, our Christian faith, tells us that you know that life ultimately does conquer death, goodness does conquer evil. Therefore, there's always hope that lives can be rebuilt, communities can be rebuilt. And that was really quite an important message for us to give. And that's something we can give that, that, um, that is distinctive, that comes from the faith that we have. What are the relations like in this part of London between different faith groups? Uh, relations between the faith groups are quite strong in this part of London. I think if I'm honest, I think they'd probably slightly um, kind of gone into abeyance in recent years. Some of the sort of faith commu- conversations uh, have sort of dropped away. But actually to rea- the reality is that as a result of the the fire and the tragedy, the faith relationships have grown stronger in recent sort of weeks. Um, in the immediate aftermath, there was a, uh, a sort of multi-faith vigil sort of underneath the Westway just about a week after the um, the fire itself. There's plans for another one, um, a larger one coming up quite soon. And actually, there's been a lot of conversation going on between the different faith groups because it, you know, the local community is a very religious community. Uh, there are a number of mosques in the area, a number of churches of different kinds. There's a Sikh temple, there's, a, there's Jewish uh, synagogues. Um, the faiths are very strongly represented in that part of London. So it's not, it's not really a very secular part. Of course, there are many people of no faith at all. Um, but there are many people within the tower and beyond it themselves who have a very strong faith. So religion and faith is a crucial part of life in that part of London. What what does government need to do about inequality in London in the light of the Grenfell exposed? Well, there's a number of things that government can do. There are certain things that government can't do. Uh, one of the things I think does need to be looked into is the housing issue as to how we do social housing in London. Um, there has been a perception, uh, whether intentional or unintentional, that uh, that 
if you're at the lower end of the housing scale, if you're in social housing, that actually the preference would be that you move out of town and that, that, that houses in central London are turned over into investment opportunities for, for foreign investors buying property in London who want to do that. And um, that seems to me a, a kind of mistake in the way we think about our housing. Our housing is primarily something that enables us to live well together rather than an investment opportunity for the future. And while it, you can't totally deny housing is things that people buy for investment, the priority has to be uh, providing communities where people can live uh, safely and healthily in, in communal life together. So I think there needs to be a debate on housing and uh, how we how we do social housing and how we enable people to live within our inner cities in uh, constructive ways. There are certain things that people, that government can't do. Uh, one of the things I think that often is the case that is that um, the interaction between different communities doesn't happen as much as it might do. One of the remarkable things about the Royal Borough at Kensington Chelsea is the, the extreme disparities of wealth and poverty in that borough. Uh, disparities of housing provision, disparities of... Of, of opportunity between the north and the south of the borough. And um, one of the things we saw in the early days after the tragedy was this huge outpouring of compassion from people in the wealthier part of the borough and beyond L- London and beyond that even still. Um, but often the problem is not so much uh, charity at moments of crisis, because in some ways that's, that happens. People gave gifts, they gave money, they gave um, clothing and everything else. But we need to increase the level of interaction so that people meet and talk. It's not so much the problem that the rich don't give to the poor, it's that they often don't know the poor. There's not actually uh, kind of that sense of real um, uh, community engagement between them. And so I think that's something that churches can sometimes do and mosques and community groups. Uh, government can make that possible. They can't make it happen. But I think that's one of the things we need to, to, to do more of. Uh, to, to, to enable more kind of face-to-face interaction between different communities. You know, because I think there's the things that both can learn from one another. It seems to me that South Kensington has things to offer uh, North Kensington in terms of resources and skills. There are things that North Kensington can offer South Kensington in, in terms of its uh, richness of community life, its diversity and so on. So I think there's a lot that can be gained from both communities to give to each other. And have you been surprised at the scale of scepticism of local people to politicians and the press? Well, having been in the area quite a lot over the last few weeks, I haven't been entirely surprised by the scepticism. I think trust in authority was at a fairly low level to begin with, partly because of a history of of perceived uh, neglect, of um, a sense of disadvantage, uh, promises not always being kept or of the corners being cut. That was certainly the perception in the local area. So trust was at a low level and this has exacerbated it and brought it very, very low indeed. So uh, there is a, uh, some of that's deserved, some of it's not. I think sometimes people have a, a kind of um, a caricature of politicians as being self-serving, simply out for their own benefit. Most politicians I've met aren't like, like that. Most politicians I've met go into public service because they want to help communities. They want to do do what do their best for that. They don't always get things right, uh, but we need to build rebuild that sense of trust. I think I also haven't been surprised by the scepticism towards the press. I certainly saw that in the uh, days uh, after the um, the tragedy. This 24-7 press machine descended upon North Kensington. Every street corner we had a group, a posse of reporters and cameras all trying to feed the, the 24-7 media beast, uh, needing to sort of somehow fill uh, its its space. And that sometimes seems to me to to lead towards almost the sensationalising of, of news. 
I spoke to one of the survivors from Grenfell Tower a little while ago. He was telling me how frustrated he was that he gave quite a long interview to a media outlet, um, giving some quite reasoned and quite detailed sort of information and views on the fire and what led to it and the aftermath. Uh, but the only bit that was actually portrayed on the um, uh, on the interview was a part when he broke down in tears and he put his arm around someone else. It was almost as if the emotion was the only thing they were interested in. They weren't interested in the actual argument. And so um, sometimes I think the, the media machine came in in some ways sort of had to, 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 to operate almost independently of the needs of the people who actually uh, were primarily sort of in the, you know, needing help uh, within the area. And so that led to scepticism from the local people. It led them to feel that the media weren't really interested in them. They were interested just in the story. And so we do need to kind of uh, think about how media interacts with, with, um, uh, with, with tragedies like this. Thank you.